Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, because we cannot fully understand it here. No matter how much we try, no matter the commentaries that we read, no matter the version of the Bible that we actually go through, we cannot in any way understand the fullness of your love. But thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, because as we speak concerning the unspeakable love of God, Lord, we'll only touch the tip of the iceberg. But Lord God Almighty, explain your word to us. Explain it to our inner hearts. And may we find confidence in this that everything has been assured of. Oh, Father, speak. For your children are ready to hear. Use your servant. As I stand before them, O oh Lord, our Father and our God, I know that indeed if I depend on my experience, if I depend on my preparation, if I depend on my knowledge, if I depend on anything of myself, I will only stammer. And Lord, grant the unction of, a, of your word and the understanding of it. In Jesus' name, I pray. The unspeakable love of God. I thank God because this love reached down to me when I was young. I was about 12 years old when I gave my life to Jesus Christ and I was not baptized until I was 14. The truth of the matter is this. John 3.16 is known by many children In knowledge of the head. And I say to you this morning that if we should recite it together, some of us will get it according to the version that we actually read, and some may not even know what it is all about. John 3:16. Let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gives only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Who can say it in Igbo? I know some people from the east and I will call somebody now. Huh? You don't know it? Me in a job Amen. Wait now. The people that are clapping don't understand the evil. <laughs> Who can say it now, sir? Amen. 
I will say it in Yoruba. Nitori Olorun fe araye to bege to fi omo bibere ni kan soso funi pe eni keni tu bagbagbo ni segbe mo ko le ni yadni ni pekun um you know what actually i want to 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 uh, bring out from this it's not actually to just drill us but i want us to understand the magnitude of god's love when i first heard it or i could actually say it in yoruba i had to go to my father to ask what is to bege ah what is to bege you know, it stresses something. Huh? For God, so, you know, you can actually stress it, the magnitude of God's love. In the act of fact, these words came from Jesus Christ, our Lord himself. And he will want us to know how deep the love of God is for his world. God loved the world. That is the object of his love. The degree of his love is immeasurable. Absolutely immeasurable. So loved the world. Wow. And in this, we find that John 3.16 is the summary of the whole Bible. It is actually the summary of all our gospel preaching. When you come to understand this, then you will see that Satan cannot in any way deceive you from really looking unto Jesus for everything else. The love of God expressed in such a manner that we know that the grace of God is found in it. We know that indeed this unspeakable love of God is towards mankind. God so loved. He did not just love anyway or anyhow, but he loved in a big, big, big way that we cannot in any way understand the depth of it, the height of it, the width of it, and the length of it. Everything is covered. And we see also that the love was proved by the gift that he gave. You can tell me that you love me, but show it. Show it. I pity those, and I used to say this, those ladies who actually say that uh, they found a love in somebody and that person has never given them anything. Huh? Nothing to show. Nothing to actually give. Stingy as. And then you believe in that one? I tell you what, if you get married to that one, huh, it will get from you instead of give to you. But this God that we serve loved us so much that he gave. And he, just, he did not just give anything. He could have given us riches. But people who go to Babalao to say that they want uh, to, to, to make um, um, what, uh, ritual money. He could have given us long life like Methuselah. 
He could have given us so many other things, material things, but he gave us the best, the very best. The only one, the only thing that actually was so dear to his heart is only begotten son. What a gift. No wonder the Bible tells me that if God will so give you his son, what else will he withhold from you? What else? The dearest thing to him gave everything to us. And not just to live with us and uh, play with us and then go home. No, to die for us. What a God. What a God. Love is behind every move of God towards us. We see that indeed, if anyone, if any man will actually be in the place of God when it comes to wisdom, if any man can be compared to God in the place of power, if any man can be compared to God in place of holiness, if anyone can be compared to God in riches or wealth, such a man will have been so arrogant, so pompous, so irritable concerning the sins of the world and so unapproachable. But God, God is not like that. Man, simply put, will, be, will have become unloving, uncaring, ungrateful, and altogether unmerciful. But the love of God bestowed upon us has made us to know that this God cares for everything that happens to us. The Bible tells me that God knows everything about me, even something that I cannot know for, not only for my lifetime, for eternity, the number of hair on my head. I can't know it. Put it on that magnifying glass. Let the machine count it. And you see that there will be errors. But God knows every strand of hair on my head. Every gray one. Every one that is still black. Whatever it is. God knows everything. Oh, and you know something? If possibly we deserve this love, we will say that after all, huh? We've done something for the Lord that he owes us something. The unspeakable love of God is such that we do not deserve. None of us deserve it. There is no worth, worthiness in us to deserve such a love. Nothing about us can say that yes, God is only paying back. In John 3, 16, you know, we're told that, yes, the gift of God was his only begotten son to demonstrate his love to us. Let's see what 1 John 3, 16 now says. 1 John 3, 16. But by this, we know what? Love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for him. He laid down his life for us. 
And in the scriptures also, we, we, Jesus Christ was telling us, hey, peradventure for a, for a good man, a godly man, a holy man, one would dare to die. Huh? But no, he chose to lay down his life for a sinful generation like us. He laid down his life. And I found that indeed, the laying down of the life of Jesus Christ was out of love, not in any way a show of strength. No. Everything about him, everything about the preparation of his coming, right from the time before, before the world was created, before man was ever in existence, God had prepared him out of love. And he brought him to be out of love died because of love, resurrected because of love, ascended to heaven because of love, and is coming back to take his home because he loved them. Church, we must never forget the love of God for us. It is so deep, so unspeakable, so unworthy to even be received by us. Again, in First John chapter 4, verse 10, the scripture says, herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Wow! To appease God and make us to gain his favor, Jesus, the son of God, had to come for us. What a wonderful thing. I believe sincerely that um, I don't know whether we have princes and princesses here, but I know that in the, in the palace, uh, when uh, there is a time to actually have a successor of the king that is uh, about to die, you see different kinds of behaviors. I was trying to watch one yesterday, and it took me time. I wanted to know the end of it, but somehow... I looked and said, I, I don't want to sleep in church. Let me go and sleep. There will be fight. There will be a lot of uh, intrigues, killings, uh, poisoning people, and so on and so forth, just because somebody wants to ascend the throne of what? Of his father. But Jesus, the only begotten son of God, will not in any way Take all to himself. He will want to share. We have been redeemed and adopted into his kingdom and yet he says that my inheritance huh, I'm ready to share with you. What a love. What an unspeakable love. The Bible tells me in the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 that we were alienated and enemies of God when Christ came to die for us. No generation has ever been perfect. Few people have been mentioned as righteous before God because the way they lived in their generation they stood out 
as one that actually recognized God. Not that he was sinless. No one was sinless. But God looked at them and said, if, my, if these people would only be like Abraham, if they would only be like Job, if they would only be like Elijah, oh, things, you know, will have been all right. But no, we see that we were useless in our sins, senseless in our misery, careless of our remedy and far from deserving the pity of God, not to talk about love. Then one actually will want to ask, why then, why then do men, you know, disregard God's love? Why? Why should men, why should humankind disregard God's love? Why? The answer is found in the passage, but I want to actually mention another passage that will paint it better for us in the sense that Christ himself spoke about it in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 12. Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness. Lawlessness. In the passage read to us in John chapter 3, we see this in verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved what? Darkness. Darkness stands for sin. Darkness stands for rebellion against the Lord God Almighty that loves them. You know, um, sometimes when stewards come to me and say that uh, my master is too, is too, is too uh, harsh on me, uh, is too abusive and so on and so forth, I, I look and say to myself, I, I, I must not judge just like that. You know why? Maybe that master has been good to some stewards before, showing them love, and they did what? They stepped on his love. They stepped on his love. We say something, for instance, that many Nigerians who work for foreign companies, huh? they are wonderful when they are working for them. But when they are working the same job for Nigerians like them, guess what? They take them for granted. They take them for granted. They do all manner of evil. What they will not do with the foreigners. Let them even come from a place like Lebanon. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if uh, there's any Lebanese here. I'm not belittling your country. No. What I'm saying in essence is this. Huh? Once they are, if they are foreigners, and it actually shows that uh, their skin is not dark skin. Huh? We go in for them. We slave after them. But when your people, who you should regard more as someone 
to give honor to and loyalty to. You step on it. Same thing about it. We step on God's love because of familiarity. The church of God is stepping on God's love so much so today to the point that the name of Jesus Christ is hardly heard in our assemblies. We forget the source of our well-being. People reject the love of God because they love to sin. They hate to be exposed in the light. I know that some people will say that, ah, today's generation, they don't actually wait for darkness to come up before they do their thing. Abby, ah, I will tell you the darkness they hide under. This is darkness of cocaine, the darkness of India hemp, the darkness of intoxication of wine, the darkness of things that actually they will put on and it will not be their real self that is operating, but the influence of every chemical that they have swallowed. A real person in his normal self will not carry a gun and say that, yes, I'm kidnapping you. They must have hidden themselves under a darkness. We hate the light and we don't want to expose to the light. And we need to know this, that whether we like it or not, the warning is given in the scriptures and the warning will stand. That whoever will die in the sin will not see life. But there is a chance today that we all actually need to hit to to, dry, to, to get away from everything that is evil. As we talk about the unspeakable love of God, so we can also talk about the unspeakable wickedness of mankind. And I believe that um, that would be another topic for another day. But I thank God so much because love is always more powerful than wickedness. Love is by far more powerful than wickedness. The question is today, as we, before we go, I, would like, I want to ask you, what should this unspeakable love of God demand from you? What should it demand from you? How many of us have given our lives to Jesus Christ? May I know? If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, can I see your hands up? Wonderful, wonderful. What then, the love that actually you have received since the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you have been living under that wonderful umbrella of love, what has it demanded from you? What have you given for it? I'll give you three or four. The love of God must actually demand your love back. We love God because he first loved us. There is an intense level of inspired love that we should have because our realization of his love for us and what that led him to do for us. We must be able to really love God in such a manner that when we sleep, we dream about him. When we wake up, we work for him. When we talk, 
with people we are not ashamed to talk about him and his Christ. We must be able to stand and say to anyone who actually want to condemn the love of God to tell them that it is evil to even ever think about that, not to even think about talking about it. We are not to fight like our brothers on the other side. When you mention the name of the, of the prophet uh, in a derogatory manner, you're marked for death. No, we are not to do that. Like I said, love is by far more powerful than what? Wickedness. So, it is important for us to know that we no longer will exist to ourselves. We are for him. We throw ourselves totally on him. And we know this, we cannot be disappointed. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, Oh, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you still ashamed of Jesus Christ? Are you? Can you talk about him in the board meetings? Can you talk about him when you go to your club, Ikoi club, tennis club, Yoruba club? Can you talk about him? Can you identify yourself truly and say, I belong to Jesus? We must ask for grace not to compromise his love for us that we will take everything for granted. There was a church according to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. The first church that the Spirit of God the angel of the Lord, or the angel of the, of the church will expose, happened to be the church of Ephesus. The church of Ephesus was warned for one major thing. Oh, in every other thing, you are doing well, but you have left, what? Your first love. May we not be regarded as doing well financially, May we not be regarded as doing well health-wise. May we not be regarded as doing well, on, well only by, you know, our singing and our praises and so on and so forth. But may it be said concerning us, the love of God is still real in our lives. And when the love of God is real in your life, you want to share him. A year of deliberate witnessing. How many of us have keyed into it? Then secondly, and hear this please, that love that we have received must generate love between one another. That love must actually be seen in us to make us different people. I could see the term you know, Reverend Yebo, it's just what I see. It's as if you, you were begging us to behave ourselves on the uh, football pitch when we get there on Saturday and so on. That, you know, should not actually be uh, something that we should be speaking about in the church. It should be natural. Natural. When I see you, I see a sister, I see a brother, I see a family. 
A family that is so united in love to the point that I'm not afraid to come to your house and eat. I'm not afraid to come to your house and drink. I'm not afraid to come to your house and doze off. We need to come to the realization that the family of God is by far closer to you than the family of the same father and mother. You know, Jesus Christ actually told us this when he was preaching to the people and they said that, oh, your father, your mother and your brothers are waiting for you. And he said, who is my father, who is my mother and who is my brother? Those who do the will of my father and my brothers and my sisters. Church, we must get it right. We must get it right. Something is happening to somebody and you're, you're careless about it because it's not of your family. Which family? Come to think about it. Which family are you referring to? Your cousin that you never saw 40 years ago is by far your family than, you know, the member of the body of Christ. Whatever I do to anybody who is a child of God, God will rise if I've done it wrongly. God will rise. If I speak about you wrongly, when you are not there, I speak concerning you in a wrong manner. Falsehood is found in me. God will rise. I will not go scot-free. Why? Because you have been bought with the blood of Jesus. You are dear to him. Sometimes Christians don't know who they are. Therefore, we sell to the devil. We allow the devil to torment us. Stand and let everyone know that you are a child of God. The third thing about it is that we should be ready to die for him. We ought to give our lives also according to the passage we read. John chapter 3. First John chapter 3 verse 16. Now, you know, I read a story that actually interested me um, in preparing for this message. A true life story that happened in England uh, around 17-something um, in the time of um, uh, King uh, um, um, James. You know, the one that actually the Bible, the translation is actually named after it was said that every letter to be delivered to the king must reach the king in a hurry. It was considered so important that once a letter is written and it is addressed to the king, they will put a stamp and the stamp is urgent. Deliver it with your life. 
and uh, there is an emblem that actually will be on it it will be a picture of someone hanging on the gallow and that shows that uh, you better hurry because if you delay you will be the first to die this happened to an ordinary king huh? guess what the demand concerning the message of Christ is what is urgent more urgent than that of the king of England they repealed that particular thing huh, because they found that it was evil but the urgency of the message that we have sincerely speaking is such that will either make us to receive reward or some punishment whosoever blood is in your hand because you have not preached to that person concerning Jesus you will account for it I will account for it we will all account for it I pray sincerely that in all that we do, let us live with urgency. The urgency of the message is so important. God is not going to cut our head off or hang us there, but he's pleading with us. Now is the time when you have life. A time will come when you will not be able to lift those bags and somebody may have to help you. I pray that you'll find help and Jesus will be your helper in Jesus' name.